Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, 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 if it isn't the feelings we have been trying to avoid, hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Unbeaten Scotland are no longer unbeaten after what can only be described as a classic Scotland performance against Wales yesterday. It is Sunday afternoon. It is David, Allen, and Matt um, here to break it down for you. Alan, how are you doing, bud? How are you feeling after it all? Deflated. It's, uh, yeah, no, it was a tough one to take. I think just both, just in the the sort of the way the game sort of ebbs and flowed, and just sort of taking that win, like being up sort of seventeen three at the start. So no, not being a particularly great sort of Valentine's Day partner, just sort of moody and sulking around the house quite a lot. Absolutely, Matt. How, how are you coping with the? Um, I suppose the crushing dose of reality that was given back to us yesterday afternoon. Just, I, I don't know if I can handle you know, one weekend this euphoria and then the next just total depression. Yeah, I've probably not been the best Valentine's Day partner either today. Uh, probably putting it mildly. <laughs> and it's a good thing that we're both, after not being a good Valentine's Day partner, going off and recording a podcast and leaving leaving Ashley to deal with our young child. So that's all good. <laughs> I think, you know, Ashley and Freya are just going to have to get used to it. This is Scottish rugby, you know. They have to, they know what they signed up for. Well, Freya didn't, but Ashley certainly did. Um, 
Well, we'll get into, obviously, the Wales game. We've also got a little bit of breaking news coming out of Glasgow Warriors, which we're going to talk about first. But before we get into that, it's a very quick word from our sponsors, Rob Mack. They were previously undefeated last uh, game, but no longer so far. But they are still a fantastic partner to us. They're going to be working with us throughout the Six Nations. They're an independent financial advisor specializing in mortgage management, financial planning, and investments. Um, We know them extremely well. They're huge rugby fans, so they will be feeling the hurt of that Scotland-Wales game just as much as all of us are. So if you are in need of any of those uh, services, you can check them out. That's robmac.co.uk. Thanks very much to them. Um, So, Moving forward, um, Glasgow Warriors, or certainly by the time you listen to this, Glasgow Warriors will have announced a brand new signing, something that Glasgow players, uh, Glasgow fans have been calling out for on the last couple of weeks. Australian international back row forward Jack Dempsey is going to be joining Glasgow um, at the end of the season in what seems to be quite an interesting move. Matt, he's not a guy that I know a huge amount, but I know you follow Australian rugby quite closely. What what should Glasgow fans know about Jack Dempsey? Well, I think when he burst on the scene in maybe 2017, 2018, had a very good season for the Waratahs and then got capped by Australia. If he can recapture that form, then I think he's exactly what the Glasgow fans have been crying out for, which is a big back row who is mainly there for carrying. He he sort of plays, you know, six or eight and i think as i say if he can recapture that form and i think he would be a pretty good compliment to tom gordon in that back row for instance and, and matt fakerson the the slight concern is that he has been pretty injury prone over the last few years and some like pretty bad injuries as well so m- maybe they've got sort of a, a good deal on the back of that but i i think it's a, a pretty good signing overall yeah, 14 caps for the uh, Wallabies. But I suppose in uh, in light of what you just said about injuries, only four, 13 games for the Waratahs, according to Wikipedia. I think it's maybe 21 somewhere else. But Alan, do you think this is a good signing for Glasgow? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, I do think with, with that 13 feels like it's pretty ridiculously low. So I think he, I imagine he has had a lot more caps for the Waratahs. But obviously, as you said, he does appear to be injury-prone. I guess, look, as long as we're not sort of paying over the odds, as kind of Hanny referenced, you know, he's exactly the sort of player that Glasgow need to sort of firm up that back row. It really felt, sort of looking ahead to sort of next season, the two areas that we really need to kind of bring in some experience, some quality, is one, the back row, and one, the back three. And if Dempsey can get a run of games together and start kind of getting some of the form he had sort of 2017, then that really does fill one of the, you know, it's a, it's a big tick, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And um, we believe there may be more news coming out of Glasgow this coming week. So keep your beady eyes on all of the social medias. You can follow us at Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. And we will certainly be promoting any announcements that come out of Scotland this week. One last thing on Jack Dempsey. It is a little bit strange that he is he's Scottish. He is of Scottish descent. Um so Scott's qualified, but we're bringing him in after he's already played for Australia, which is a slightly um, upending of the SRU's recruitment philosophy. 
Um, but we are where we are. So hopefully it will be interesting to see how he gets on when he arrives. Um, so that's Jack Dempsey coming to Glasgow this summer. Maybe, um, they're, wait, maybe, there? maybe they're hoping that uh, when World Rugby changed their policy allowing players to play for Tier 2 nations, potentially <laughs> Scotland might end, up, <laughs> might end up just a catastrophe off the back of this match, just end up kind of falling into the sort of Tier 2 category, pick up Jack Dempsey at the end of his career. I don't see, see Jack Dempsey uh, when we're in like for the 2025 seven world cup repechage we're in like we've fallen so far down <laughs> jack dempsey comes in new, new strategies just x all blacks in their 30s who they, who they can they can turn over for a quick win well who knows strange things have happened um speaking of strange things yesterday scotland went from being 17-3 up to losing by a single point against Wales in the second match of the Six Nations. A pretty devastating turn of events following an amazing performance down at Twickenham last weekend. Matt, I'll come to you first just for a little bit of your your sort of snap analysis. How how did you feel about, about the performance yesterday? I think the frustrating thing is a, a lot of it was self-inflicted from Scotland. I really felt, particularly in that first half, when Scotland weren't giving away so many penalties, when Wales had the ball, they were creating very little. And the only way they were getting any territory or possession was through Scottish ill discipline. Just seemingly, you know, compared to the last week, just harebrained decisions around the the breakdown. And it just absolutely killed us. So go from going from being in that seventeen three position, having played all the rugby and looked good in attack, to see that sort of dissipate in front of our eyes was just such a sucker punch alan anything to add to your sort of snap analysis before we get into a bit more detail yeah i guess you know it's interesting with with wales i think you know firstly of, of all the kind of other home nations I, I probably have you know the most affection with with wales and and I think one of the issues we sometimes have, though, is when you look at kind of the starting point for all the kind of nations, you know, England have got this massive pool, pool of players. France have got this massive pool of players. They're always going to have that advantage versus the other the other nations. Ireland have just got this such strength in those kind of provincial sides. But when you actually look at Wales and kind of as a setup, you know, ultimately they're kind of probably starting from a similar position of Scotland. They've got kind of a good set of maybe sort of 15, 20 players, but actually sort of the depth below that isn't particularly deep. And obviously their pro teams have been pretty pretty rubbish for the last sort of 10, 15 years. And almost in one way, it almost feel that makes it more difficult when you lose to Wales, because I think because of that setup, it makes you feel as a Scotland fan over especially the last 10 years that Wales is a team that we should be beating, or at least more regularly than we actually are. Yeah, we, we seem to sort of consist, you know, over the last 10 years, what is it, two two games that we've won? And, you know, and, and a lot of times there seems to be sort of games where we've been in the match, but Wales have just had, don't know whether it's experience, a bit of luck, etc., but they've just managed to kind of get the win over us. And I just, there's something just sort of deeply frustrating about that. Deeply frustrating is quite right, Alan. And you're quite right. That is something that's being... Um 
felt by a number of fans. We put out on Twitter just before we started recording asking for a few emails or three-word reviews. Um, Alistair Murdoch, stop forcing it. Um, Ross Lamont, could be worse. Um, Loud Purple Giraffe, easy to fix. Um, Scott McAnally, lost some sleep. Um, And Paul said, why, why, why? But we did have one email which came into the inbox that's... um, I think it's at the thistlerugby at gmail.com. That's where you can send us email. This is from Ewan Martin. He says, greetings. Am I overly despairing or does it feel like a genuine generational chance has just passed us by to have beaten England away and then have had Wales on the ropes only for it to slip away? Given next year, we have to go to Cardiff and Dublin and the chances of some players, Hogg, etc., having only a couple more years at the top of their game and their legs has a real moment just passed us by to win the Six Nations. Matt, is Ewan overly despairing? In many ways, I don't think he is. I, I mean, I, I suppose at the same time, you know, we weren't expecting to beat England and it wasn't as if at the start of the tournament we were aiming to win the Six Nations, but obviously that victory last week just put us in such a good position. And I, I think from going from a position where we, we were in control against Wales, to throwing it away and the run of games that we then would have had, you know, going to France on the back of two wins with confidence sky high, you know, arguably it is a a big, maybe not generational, but it's a big opportunity missed. I, I still think that if you look at the Scotland team over the average age is, it's very young um, and it, it's fairly yeah. inexperienced compared to the other big teams. So I don't know if we're sort of, you know, we're not seeing the likes of, of Hogg and, and Russell approaching the end of their careers. But I think it's the best chance we've had of maybe not winning the Six Nations, but, you know, getting four victories in the Six Nations, which we've obviously never done. I think when, um, if you take it right back to the start of the Six Nations, I think we would probably say that having England and France at home gives us probably the best opportunity to win the Six Nations. I think we probably back ourselves to go away to Ireland, Wales and Italy and get wins versus going to Twickenham and um, the Stade de France. But at the same time, to get that win in England and knowing how temperamental the French could be, I'm, I think maybe he's being a little bit overdramatic. But at the same time, I think you know, the opportunity was there. And to sort of lose it in this game, when you've got that win against England... You've got a Scotland squad that's arguably probably the best we've had in the last sort of like 20 years, especially when you look at like the full kind of breadth of like 30 or 35 players. And then probably one of the weakest Welsh squads of the last 10 years with 21 players out. It's just a bit of a bit of a gut punch, right, isn't it? My gut certainly feels punched more than it has as a Scotland fan over the last 32 years of my life. We've talked a little bit about around the topic of how we threw it away. Alan, I know you really, because you're such a masochist, you put yourself through the torture of re-watching the game this afternoon um, and sort of identified and sort of picked through that middle third where it sort of went from uh, 17-3 to being a very close contest. Do you want to sort of take us through that that period in a bit more detail? Yeah, it's interesting because we were sort of saying pre, pre this pod that 
whilst obviously that middle third is, you know, retrospectively, was, was a bit of a disaster, it didn't really feel like it at the time, and actually didn't really feel there was much shift in, in momentum. And, and actually, when it went from 17-3 to 17-15, it, it was actually a bit of a shock, and you were like, oh, shit, we, you know, this, is, this is game on, right? But I think it, it, it's worth probably just going through. So 32nd minute, we were 17-3 up, and... Halfpenny took Darcy Graham out in the air. Scotland had relatively sort of kickable pen, especially when Finn was absolutely firing. Put it to the corner, and then off the back of that, three Welsh penalties, and then Lewis Rizamit goes in in the 38th minute for a try at halftime. And then off the back of that, sort of a mix of penalties, Scotland then have another kickable pen, which we tap and go. Cummings and Darcy and Graham cross another penalty on the halfway line. Wales kick to the corner. And in the 51st minute, so across 17 minutes of play, you have what is essentially an 18-point swing. So Wales gain 12, Scotland lose six, or uh, don't don't pick up six points. And when you look at that and you look at the game management, and and actually one of the even and to that point, one of the most frustrating parts of it was a lot of the pens were just like stupid, like you know, Ferguson's coming in from the side when they didn't need to, you know, you know, Gary Graham getting pinged for going off his feet. And, you know, ultimately, whilst obviously you can argue that people go off their feet at rocks all the time, actually, at least one of them, it was like very blatantly sort of diving off your feet. And, and it was just when Wales were pulling together phases and they just were not able to break the Scotland line. Wales were not moving up the field because of how good their attacking play is outside of obviously the two kind of tries and it was actually Scotland giving him that giving them that position yeah no I I, I completely agree I said it before that it felt as if Scotland were handling that Welsh attack and I even thought when Cam Sheedy came on you know he, he was only given that license to play because of the red card I, I think that you know, we, we can talk about it in more depth, the, the red card. A lot of people will point to that as being the sort of turning point in the game. But as Alan's just said, Scotland were doing their seeming best to throw away this lead prior to the red card. And I think the you know, it's frustrating, the, the penalties that they gave away. But I think the other just bizarre thing is this seeming refusal to take the points when they're on offer. And it happened last week as well. And, and, Maybe because we won that game, it it sort of has papered over a few cracks. But you know, against England, we we didn't convert our dominance into as many points as we should have, and it just seemed as if this strategy of kicking to the corner for kickable penalties. Maybe Russell didn't feel comfortable, but we're we're not the best team at converting five meter lineouts. So why do we keep? I just didn't understand why we kept going for it. You know, this is this is Six Nations rugby. We've got this golden chance to beat Wales. Imagine if we'd gone 23 ahead. Difficult for Wales to come back from that. Um, so I, I just I just don't understand that. But that was just a, a killer, I think. It's an interesting one. Do you, do you think that's got something to do with, with the leaders that are on, on that pitch? I, I know you obviously had Hogg as captain. And then I think, was it Russell and Gray were vice captains? Yeah. But it really felt that a lot of the decision-making, especially when they were in the Wales 22, was being driven by Finn, rightly or yeah. wrongly. Yeah. And he's 100%. not a man who wants to go for the kick, kick for the post. He was, you could see him constantly being like, either scrum down, tap in, like, let's keep the pressure on. Mm. I, I didn't 
the, the scrummaging where we sort of had those series of penalties that in the end we when the, the, the obstruction stopped the try I, I didn't actually mind that because clearly the Welsh scrum was under loads of pressure and you're potentially going to get a penalty try out of that but it was it was the other ones in the field that were you know maybe difficult kicks but still kicks you'd expect considering Russell punted a conversion over from the, from the touchline you would expect him to to get those ones I, I just don't understand why they didn't go for it I guess the flip side to this argument is we were I can't remember sorry I should know this but we were what two three or four points down and had a kickable pen opportunity in the last 10 minutes and we went for the try and obviously Hogg went in in the corner yeah. and or maybe we were a bit more a few more points behind but that was an opportunity to kind of keep the scoreboard taking over and actually know it was our decision to go for the scrum and that led to the try, which led to us then having a four-point advantage, which, you know, at the time, I thought was going to be enough until, obviously, Lewis Rizamit, you know, stabbed me in the heart. Um, yeah. And so it, I, 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 think, I think we're completely right. And I think when you look, I'd love someone, I'm thinking top of the moon, for example, to go back over the history of sort of Scottish, especially Glasgow rugby, and look at those kind of opportunities for points versus what they've managed to get mm. from, because um, I actually think when you look back on average, we have we have actually left points out there. But on I the flip side, you, obviously yeah. that is what, the way it does work, right? Yeah. I mean, I suppose the, you know, I was trying to think back to when we have scored off that driving mall actually the last time we played wales the the try that won it was off the mall so you know i maybe have some sympathy with them going for it but i i also i just think that given the context of the game given our dominance taking the three points to me it, it would be the right decision you know 99 times out of 100 in that position Absolutely, and we have talked about the um, obviously the red card, which has dominated an awful lot of the conversation post game. Was it a red card? Was it not a red card? For me, it looks you know letter of the law that is a red card, and you know whilst unfortunate, it shouldn't be something as we've been saying that Scotland are hiding behind. Alan, red for you? Yeah, I, I think I think it probably is a red, and you know. I think ultimately it can be a red and you can also have like empathy with Xander Ferguson. You know, it's, 100%. It, it is a red and it is also a fact that that action of him coming from 10 years behind and hitting a ruck happens like 40 times a game. And actually it's, it's just the one out of 40 who's sort of unlucky, right? That, that you end up getting, getting pinged for it. And, and if Wynne Jones, or I can't remember if it was Wynne Jones, um, was a millimetre or two higher, I can guarantee you a lot of people would have considered that like the perfect cleaner because he got really low yeah. and hit and absolutely drove over the ruck to kind of um, clean out and give Valley Price clean ball. So it's it's frustrating because when you've played rugby, you understand how common that instant is in every rugby match. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, given the rules, you can understand why it's red card. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, absolutely. An, an awful lot of, um, it's probably not worth dwelling on because it is all academic and a bit sort of, um, it, it's not going to impact anything. But another big talking point, particularly on social media, although they did bring it up on the BBC as well, is the um, Liam Williams incident on James Lang earlier in the uh, earlier in the match where it appeared that he led with a, an elbow um, right into Lang's face. Matt, are you, were you frustrated that, you know, that sort of thing was not being picked up on the TMO as well? Yeah, I, I, I can't remember exactly what happened after it, but I think the disappointing thing for me is that someone should say, like Lang should say there, or someone close, like Zanzer Ferguson gets in Liam Williams' face because he knows he's done it. So yeah. I think someone should get into Hogg's ear or Gray or Russell and say, can you ask Matt Carley to review that, please? And <laughs> if, if you watch it, it kind of seems as if Lang gets up and sort of takes it a bit, which is disappointing. Because he's just he's just received an elbow in the face, um, but you know I I, I think that the, the loss a lot of it was Scotland's own doing. So I, I I don't think focusing on on those sort of decisions is actually very helpful. Yeah, it's interesting. I because I I hadn't noticed that incident at all in the match, and yeah. actually randomly there's another incident which I did notice at the time, which was when Halaholo got the kickoff on the 39th minute and put a forearm in Chris Harris's face. And actually, Chris Harris did turn... You can actually look back and he actually turns to Leno Judge and is like, forearm or like penalty. <laughs> and the um, the Lane Judge like kind of just like puts his hands to his side and like lifts them up like, uh, sorry, mate. <laughs> so, you know, it's... It's, um, you know, it, it, is, it, is, it is difficult. But you're right in the sense that it's... That's not why we why we lost the match and, and actually you know the thing is is we, we've we've I actually think we should have won the match when we went a man down I think we're four points up with what 10, 10 minutes to go I think looking looking back at that you know, how the match has gone in the preceding 70 I really do think Scotland should have had enough to hold Wales out from the trial line at a minimum they, they seemed quite intent on continuing to sort of ping the ball around in that last 10 minutes when I, I think particularly when we were sort of really bashing at sort of the 10 meter line, for example, do you think there is a case rather than sort of flinging it out and trying to get it to Duhan, which was clearly a tactic and um, had some merits on the day, should they have been keeping that a little bit tighter and really trying to force a penalty from Wales? And then at least, you know, we've got a, a long range go from the 10 meter line to actually t- to win the game. I kind of think they were trying 
to force that. I think they were trying to keep his possession as much as possible and not kick it away to gain territory and then potentially force a penalty. Yeah. I, I, I think once again, just the, well, not once again, but the, the decision-making of when to kick seemed to be lacking. You know, the, no better example than when Ali Price put in that pretty aimless box kick. But And I suppose the frustration with, with that is last week, Scotland's kicking game was was spot on. It was great. So clearly, the the technical ability is there. It's it's just the the decision making under pressure. The the sort of the psychological mm. side of things seems to be the issue. I, mean, I, I think the think so. kicking game was pretty good again this week. Per, certainly in the first thirty five minutes when we were really on top. Yeah. Um. Not not least the fantastic little um, bit of vision and execution from Ali Price to put Darcy Graham through for the first try. There was also part of me where I think you know it wasn't it didn't feel like it was premeditated from Price. You know, and it felt like it was very much Darcy Graham giving the call, and almost Price sort of saw him at last minute and just instinctively put the put the chip through. And it's um, no, it was incredibly sort of nice. Nice try, and I think you're right in the sense that actually, probably first, yeah, especially the first 35 minutes, but even kind of into that sort of second half, it felt that you know a lot of the kicking from um, Russell, Hogg, and Price was was doing its job, and and yeah, it's you know I, I think it's probably we shouldn't forget that actually you know the try that won the match was was pretty spectacular, you know. Yeah. I mean, Halaholo did did really well to um, kind of draw Duhan in, and then Lewis Rusan is so rapid, ridiculous. <laughs> like he's running against Duhan, Hogg, and Harris. <laughs> yeah, but he leaves. I know that Hogg's got a turn and go. So, but he leaves Hogg for absolute dead. Yeah, it's, it's, nice. it's a joke. And you only saw. I mean, if we talk, if we start to veer into Scottish positives, I think if we think that kicking game was still working. I mean, you only have to look at Stuart Hogg's performance and he is absolutely fizzing with confidence at the moment. And that was almost single-handedly he brought that game back from the brink. It was a, another phenomenal performance from him. Yeah, 100%. The thing is that it goes back to that first 30, 35 minutes. I thought that everyone was having a good game. All the big name players were standing up and, and being counted. And... You know, as we as we talked about before, it is a pretty inexperienced team. So I wonder if in that middle period, it just wasn't that quite that leadership, and and people trying to figure out, you know, on the fly how we sort things out. Because you know, it, there there are leaders in the in the on the pitch, and having you know Russell Gray Hogg, you know, the guys who've who have been around the block. It's it's just disappointing they didn't manage to to adjust things. I guess you know talk about the sort of leaders of Russell and Hogg. The issues just weren't really in the backs. It was that that forward pack, and I think the three three areas where we performed a little bit poorly versus kind of England and some of the alternations cut was you know we, we obviously praised Turner for the lineouts last week and and this week the lineouts. We performed perform pretty poorly. We're, we, we got thoroughly beaten by a Wales team, which annoyingly performed poorly in the lineup last week and performed incredibly well this week. You then had our defensive moles, 
which again in that middle 20 whales were really were, were able to gain a really easy 10 15 meters and kind of get a, get some pens from Scotland just by kind of getting bringing the ball down and just drive putting kind of essentially a big bog standard mall together and and I think that's something that Scotland have improved on in the last sort of 12 months but it was kind of annoying to see that being an issue and then the last one was just sort of discipline where again in that middle 20 you know seven penalties which just gave Wales just incredible field position to, in which to attack. But I mean, we we almost sort of um, well, we we sort of handed defeat from the jaws of victory, and then we almost got it back again. Um, that amazing little offload from Finn releasing Duhan down the wing, and that sort of tap tackle. Did you think, Matt, that we'd sort of gotten that get out of jail free card in like the eighty second minute or whatever it was? Well, obviously the game was still so close, but we were sort of playing in around that 10 metre half way line. So the best you're probably going to get is a penalty, which maybe Hogg might try and punt over and probably miss. Um, but yeah. yeah he, never, he literally never gets it. Yeah. That was what I thought was going to happen. I was like, he's definitely going to get one and he's definitely going to miss. And it was pretty typical of just the last week or so that it looked like we were <laughs> down and out and then... We were mounting this comeback. And I think there's been a few people complaining about Reece Samet holding on in that in that period and Matt Carley, the referee, not noticing that. But once again, you know, if if a game like that has to come down to us scrabbling around for three points in the last play of the game, something's gone wrong in the remaining 80 minutes. So I, I once again, I don't think it's that, that helpful blaming him. We have a, a mutual friend who said that... If, if the try had been scored, the pass would have gone down in history. <laughs> that is a friend who is oh, known yeah. for a love of melodrama, to be fair, though. So, um, it, I mean, it is a phenomenal offload from Finn. I mean, I think the other bit of phenomenal play in that is the tap tackle on Duhan. Because, I mean, for all intents and purposes, if you look at the, the footage, the Rizamet is overcommitted and Duhan steps off his right and he's in if this tap tackle, that perfectly timed tap tackle doesn't land. So, I mean, fair play. That is an incredible bit of skill. Yeah. Disappointing. I mean, it said, I think, yeah, Louis Rizamet was down and I think Duhan's going in under the posts and you've just got this yep. flail from Watkins. I don't even think he thought he was going to get there. He just, he just needed to be seen. That's what I did all the time. He's going to be seen to be dying. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> and he's just stuck out a finger. And it's like one of those ones where we've all had it, where it just hits your start and you just completely lose your footing. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and and another, another case of losing footing as well, when Hogg went through for that and he had the one-on-one. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. The Murrayfield turf, the, the curse of the nematodes. They're back, baby. The day of curses. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. I do think Ashley and was like sh- shocked at how loud I was being in front of Freya's. I was I I, sh- I needed to sort of like take myself away after the match. It was uh, <laughs> she can't, can't be like shouting that much in front of a young child. Is sort of I think it's quite scary. So it's, uh, it's a lesson for me. Yeah, I had to sort of like remove myself. It was quite good. We'd sort of ordered these um these like make at home pizza kits, like a sort of lockdown, you know, like bucket list thing. So I was like I had a little project. I was like, I just need to go and throw myself into this like practical like kneading of this dough. So it was quite like 
yeah it was quite therapeutic just like battering this dough for um like half an hour after the half an hour after the game i mean i i, I really took it to the extremes i mean i had to take my wife to the eye hospital because she thought she had a bleach in her eye which is a real way of kind of you know <laughs> providing she's, providing perspective and, and she's such a, scotland, something else. such a scotland ultra that she was cl- cleaning her eyes out with bleach <laughs> from the loss <laughs> exactly well i was very glad to hear that she was all right though matt that is good good. um i mean where where does this leave this scotland squad if we've established that we think this is a sort of a a very talented and perhaps you know the best scotland squad we've had in 20 years you know going away to paris in two weeks time you know are you are you confident in their ability to bounce back alan um Yes, yes, no. You know, I think you could see how much of an emotional blow it was was for the players after the match. Like they, they all, you know, they clearly were all really, really hurt by by kind of the circumstances. You know, at the same time, you know, I think the, the best thing about Hogg and Russell being those leaders is is I, I do think they're people that a don't get phased. By what's happened previously, whether that's within a match or a previous match, and they also um, they're, they're very much people who who are desperate to kind of get back and prove themselves. You see, Hog after the match, you know, they were like, "Are you excited for the week break?" And he's like, "I literally want to play another game now, right?" Because so I think hopefully with Richie back, and obviously WP Nell doesn't bring as much as. Ferguson kind of in the loose, but he, he's he's good enough in the tight. It's I th- I hope that Scotland are actually going to be able to come back and put in quite a big performance in two weeks. It's going to be very interesting to see how those injuries shake down. I think Cameron Redpath got a sort of nerve issue in his neck, which you never quite know how those things are going to go in terms of uh, recovery time. And they, the SRU certainly haven't committed anything to that. Duncan Taylor did play for Saracens against Doncaster yesterday. Um, and scored a try, but again, it's a championship level. Mm. Matt, do you think James Lang's done enough to hold on to that 12 jersey, or do you think they should be looking elsewhere? I don't want to be too harsh on him. I don't think the game really came his way, so he only had two carries, really, and I think that was sort of in the tight. It, it was similar to when we played Wales the last time, that maybe it's to do with the tactics, or maybe it's him not being assertive enough, but he hasn't been used in that second playmaking role yet enough for for me i, I don't mm. think you know i i if red path was fit 100 percent, you know i'd be i'd be um put, putting him in there just because last week he made such a bigger impact on the game with those big moments than than james lang has so far so he was looking sharp at attack harris I, yeah I, I think there's a chance he's going on the lines <laughs> it's a there's a lot of lines for the Harris, uh, Harris for the Lions chat flying around, and not was, all of it is good. a joke. Yeah, 42 meters in attack from a center is is really impressive, and a solid defensive performance as we've sort of come to expect from him. Mm. So, yeah, uh, who, we, who, who would have seen that coming? Autumn, what 2017 was when he came in, and everyone was like, "Who the hell is this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> also, he's he's playing for the arguably the worst worst team in the Six Nations, and he's playing for the worst team in the uh, Guinness Premiership as well. Yeah, there you go. 
I mean, I think I, I, one more word for the for the bench. I thought Hugh Jones looked really energetic and busy when he came on. I mean, it's probably just a virtue of the fact that he he only played for ten minutes, but he he was uh, he brought a sort of level of energy that I thought was really vital off the bench as we were trying to conjure something in the last minutes. It's just, it's just that like terror when because the game was sort of opening up by that point a bit, but mm. terror of knowing you've got to keep the ball holding and and huge ones is going to make a break and make a half break and you're sort of wincing as he goes to ground because you're just looking for the the turnover support um, yeah you don't when anyone makes a half break in those um instances it's just where the hell's the support <laughs> yeah it was interesting interesting I, I i'm not 100 clear if graham went off with an injury or with there was an actual tactical decision when they to Bring they, they replaced Graham with Richie Gray and moved Cummings to six. Yeah, which um, you know I feel I feel a bit bad for Graham because obviously it's uh, he, he sort of had a lot of good form in the Premiership and, and he, he he didn't really sort of shape up too well yesterday. But uh, I actually thought Richie Gray when he came on was was pretty strong. Yeah, um, I agree with that. And I wish he dyes hair blonde again, though. He doesn't stand out with this sort of quite professional short back and sides that he's got now. Yeah, it's like a real hit to his brand equity, not having that blonde <laughs> hair. Like that. Exactly. I did Maybe. think, though, I, I felt like Gray wasn't actually really that keen on the contact. He was doing loads of kind of like loop balls and like little offloads before he hit the contact. I was like, just truck it up, lad. You're absolutely massive. Literally <laughs> the biggest man ever. <laughs> All right. Well, we will obviously be back um, in 10 days' time or so as Scotland shape up to play France away. Um, we've obviously got the, the week off. Um, but we did get one last email, and um, I know everyone's sort of scratching around for a little bit of good news, so we thought we'd read this one out. It's from uh, Digby Walker. Um, so remember that name when you are responding to it. It's a Mr. Digby Walker. It says, um, I'd like to draw your attention to the following, quite frankly, indisputable evidence as to the benefits of the UK leaving the European Union and the single market. Scotland's win draw in the Calcutta Cup when out of the single market is 54%, while Scotland's win draw of the Calcutta Cup when in the single market is um, a paltry 30%. So, you know, Digby's bringing us the positives of Brexit there um, and Scottish rugby. So, as I say, we are just the messengers on that one. So, if you are looking to give any feedback on that email, it's to a Mr. Digby Walker. So, on that um, undisputed good news, um, we will be back with you in about 10 days' time. In the meantime, keep an eye on our social channels. That's Twitter, at Thistle Rugby Pod. On Instagram, thistle understroke rugby understroke pod. You can send us an email. We love to hear from you. That's the thistle rugby at gmail.com. And please sign up for our newsletter. That's the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast on Substack. And we'll be getting stuff out this week um, for you to read. And finally, if you are enjoying what we're doing, there's two things that you can do to help us out. The first is to leave us a review on iTunes. We absolutely love um, hearing from you on there and the second is you can buy us a coffee um which is a small um little donation to thank us for the work that we're doing that's buymeacoffee.com forward slash thistle and until next time speak to you soon cheers 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.